Does doing an in-depth Bible study sound like a daunting task? And should it be reserved for specialists in the area, such as theologians and pastors? Hi, my name is David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. I'm so thankful that you've joined me for this fourth of four podcasts on Walking with the Lord. Today we're going to look at some principles that people have developed over the years that have been found trustworthy as we look into God's Word in a deeper sense. I will link to some resources in the show notes that I used in preparing for this podcast. These are very accessible, and I think you'll find them very useful in your study of God's Word. Number one would be the idea of meditation. You know, there's no race here that we're trying to complete. We want to take our time with the Word of God, take our time with the Lord. So meditation simply means to chew the cud, as it were, to to think about each word, to emphasize each word, to think about God's Word in a more slow and intensive and in, um, intentional manner. So slow down, chew the cud, meditate on God's Word. That's another principle. Number two, the concept of authorial intent. That is, what was the intent of the author as the author was writing that passage? We know that God is the ultimate author of Scripture. He inspired Scripture, and for that reason it is inerrant. But what was the author's intent? What was God's intent in writing that passage? And how would the original readers have taken it? Well, an example of this is 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27. So turn, that, uh, turn to that if you have the opportunity, if you're not driving a car right now. Turn to 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What was Paul's intent? What was his main point that he was trying to get across? Was Paul referring to salvation here and encouraging people to make sure they were Christians by working hard? In just looking at that superficially, we might think his intent was we have to work hard to make sure that we're a Christian. We must work very diligently and maintain that Christian life. But is that what he's talking about? Well, one way to answer that is to ask the question, to whom is the author speaking? In this particular passage, we learn that Paul is speaking to believers. In that book, 1 Corinthians, um, in the next chapter, chapter 10, verse 1, it says, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He was speaking to Christians, to fellow fellow believers. He was speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ. So we learn that the author is speaking to believers. So if that's the case, why would he be telling believers to work hard to make sure that they are a Christian? What is he urging them? What is the reward? 
In 1 Corinthians, that same book, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, again we're reminded that Paul is speaking to believers. That says, Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. So Paul is not only speaking to believers here, he himself is assured that he is a believer, that he is an apostle, one sent out by Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul has no questions about his salvation. So again we ask, what is this passage about? If it's not about making sure that I'm a Christian, not making, not talking about working hard to uh, maintain my salvation, what is this talking about? What is the author's intent? Well, we're going to come back to that in just a second. But the next thing we want to talk about is the fact we want to look at the context. Corinth was a city that had the Corinthian games in Greece. So the setting was the uh, Olympic Games or the Corinthian Games. They would come together, I think it was every two years or every four years, and runners would run and other um, athletes would be there completing the races. And what would they get? they would get a perishable wreath if they were successful in that race. If they didn't win, they wouldn't get any reward at all. So that gives us an idea, when we look at the context, that gives us an idea of what Paul is getting at, his intent in writing that. The original readers from Corinth would realize that Paul is referring to the Corinthian games and the reward for winning the games. So is it possible that Paul here is talking about the reward for the Christian as we obey him, as we make our lives useful to the Lord in his um, will, following his will? In other words, Paul is talking about the rewards that a believer will get at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, which is talked about in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15, and 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Also, we want to compare Scripture with Scripture. We know that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says that, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So whatever Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, he's not talking about salvation, which is a free gift from God. He's talking about something else. And finally, we want to ask the question, is the passage in question talking about justification or sanctification? Justification means getting right with God in the first place, the idea of believing in Him for eternal life. Sanctification talks about growth. So this passage we're talking about, 1 Corinthians nine twenty four through 27, is talking about growth in the Christian life. So again, just to review the things we've talked about, we want to ask the question, what is the author's intent? What's the main point of the author, and how would his original readers have taken it? Number two, we want to ask, to whom is the author speaking, believers or non-believers? Number three, we want to ask questions about the context. These were people in Corinth who were well aware of these Corinthian games. Next, we want to ask, How can I compare Scripture with Scripture? By that I mean look at a clear passage like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and comparing it with this passage. We know that by doing that, this passage cannot be talking about salvation. It has to be talking about 
sanctification or growth in this Christian life. I want to quote from H.A. Ironside. He was born in 1876, died in 1951. He was a Canadian-American Bible teacher and former pastor of Moody Church in Chicago. This was from a booklet called Salvation and Reward, published in 1930. The title of this little section is An Incorruptible Crown by H.A. Ironside. Quote, In 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul has been speaking of service, of his own call to preach the gospel, and of the importance of faithfully fulfilling his ministry. Then he uses the striking illustration of these closing verses. Quote, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but only one receives the prize? So run that ye may obtain it. End quote. It is not eternal salvation of which he speaks. I'm quoting H.A. Ironside here. We do not obtain the gift of God, eternal life, by diligence or by running. It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. Romans 9.16 We are, as Christians, running a race. We are contending in the arena. And for the victors, there are fairer crowns than ever were bestowed on the winners in the Olympic Games or on the battlefields of earth. Let us then see to it that we run so that we may obtain the reward. End quote. Is the reward or the prize that Paul is talking about heaven? I don't think so. It's the reward that the Christian will receive at the judgment seat of Christ for a life of faithfulness. Clearly, then, this passage is not about salvation, but about spiritual growth and faithfulness. Let's review those questions we want to ask as we approach a passage of Scripture. What was the author's main point in this passage, and how would his original readers have interpreted things? Ask yourself, to whom is the author speaking, believers or non-believers? Ask yourself, what is the context of the passage? Compare Scripture with Scripture. Always interpret the more difficult passages, the more obscure passages, with those that are more clear, such as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I hope you find those principles helpful as you do more in-depth Bible study. Thanks for joining me for this fourth of four podcasts about walking with the Lord. Next time, we will hear from Al Ewart, who worked with World Impact for a number of years. Al shares some practical insights about his walk with the Lord in terms of prayer and the way the Lord has used him throughout his life. I know you won't want to miss that as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.